This episode of Converge with my guest, Chase Reeves, is sponsored by Weave Writer. Weave Writer empowers you to write every day, tell better stories, and make every word count through the power of habit. For more information, check out WeaveWriter.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. I've heard it said that when people hit like 50 or so, they hit this stage where they just don't care about things anymore. They wear weird clothes. They go to the beach with socks and their Birkenstocks. They wear loud shirts. And there's just this moment where they've, they've given up on their pot belly. It's that moment in life where you cease to care about the things that ultimately don't matter and spend all of your energy around the things that do. Well, my guest today, despite being rather remarkably experienced relative to his age, Chase Reeves is a guy who I've grown in deep respect for, not only because he's clever and skilled and has done a lot uh, to help a lot of people, especially places like Fizzle.co and others, which you'll hear about today, but he's the kind of guy who's faithfully walked through experiences that has him on stage having people hold their guts in laughter because he's so funny, but at the same time has the capacity to walk into a a house of mourning, and because of his experiences, is able to hang with you there. But he's not wasting any time. Uh, his his F-bombs are about as common as the word the in a sentence. But I think you'll forgive him for his uh, crassness because underneath it is authenticity that's contagious. And I hope as you listen, uh, this is one of those conversations that I think you'll walk away thinking and assessing, how are you spending your time? So make your brand serve them, make it delight them, understand the journey that they're on and take them there. Be a part of, of shaping where they're going and giving them the tools that they need. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Wow. Is this, that was such an, thank you, Dane. What great <laughs> words to bring me on. I think, I think I should just stop now because you can't go. I can't live up to what you just said was insane. Chase Reese, welcome to Converge. Glad you're here. There's a huge, huge. Uh, have you ever seen one of those ants that are like not regular ants? They're like they're they're like German ants. They're like yellow. We are here to. That's a really bad German accent. Yeah. But that one of those big, huge ants that have like nine thoraxes is on my arm, and I'm I'm. I'm like trying to be a good little like uh, you know at one with the universe boy and not flick it off, but it's uh, and it's kind of tickly. I guess I can enjoy it, which is a lot like life, Dane. Well, <laughs> that's the perfect metaphor to transition. So, so in one moment you're you're receiving the glow of of affirmation, and in the next you're distracted by an ant. Welcome, I, Chase. Yeah. Reeves. that's perfect. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate those kind words, Dane. Uh, you're someone who. Who you know we we've known each other for for a little while, uh, and so it means a lot to hear someone like you who has like actual rock stars on your show, like the Chris Gillibe and GD <laughs> Roof. <laughs> How funny! Oh, I always try to pronounce Chris's name like that. He, I think uh, he, he appreciates Chris, it. Chris Gillibe. 
uh, in the world domination simil. So and this is gonna. This is just gonna go like this all. The uh, whole time. Yeah, I got it. So I'm gonna keep so laughing when you in. Get <laughs> okay, so for context, uh, for <laughs> those of you at home, Chase and I have known each other for a long time. He was a student when I was a teacher at a place called Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California. And between then and now, uh, Chase, you've been very busy. You've had a lot of world travels, a lot of experiences, and some of the milestones, the big ones, I'll get to in the conversation. But mm-hmm. could you give us like a a quick synopsis of life between college? And now, yeah, I mean the 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 basic theme of it is like, hey, can you is being a quasi create like figuring out that I'm actually a creative guy, regardless of whether or not the creativity is any good or bad. Just getting okay with the fact that oh yeah, oh my god, it's, I I am creative, I am that kind of person, and then trying to find the balance and the intersection of creativity and commerce in a way that feels like me. That's always my drive because we have to, I have to earn a living. Money's always made me really uncomfortable. I uh, was heading towards becoming a pastor. That's why I was at Westmont, just because I didn't want to have to think about money. I was like, oh, let's just work at a church. Like they'll just collect money. And I like, I don't have to make much money. I just want to have to think about it. Whereas my dad was like the businessman and he was like really dedicated and successful and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, that confuses me. I just want to play in bands with my friends and make t-shirts of dogs <laughs> that are farting out of their mouth and barking out of their butt. Like to me, that just felt like, wow, well, look at me, I'm fun, I'm punk rock. And this feels alive and I like the way I feel here. And equally so, I like the way I felt when I would be on stage uh, giving a message at a church or playing music and creating emotional, being involved in emotional experiences, you know? Not only that, but like meaningful things. Like meaningful things, I was always kind of hungry for that. So what, what it, after college, I mean, that I got really hungry for that during college. The appetite grew and grew and grew until I think I started to find a way for those rhythms to work together in a way that felt more like me than they ever had before. And that, that's when the, the stuff started really feeling good for me. So right now you are running a company called Fizzle. Co- co-founder with Corbett Barr and Caleb Wojcik. Uh I am the creative director there, which means I'm the resident golden retriever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything's a good idea. Uh, but more and more as like the to-do list grows, because I don't know if you knew this, uh, Dane, but your to-do list is actually, it, if you're using any sort of app, your to-do list is infinite. It never like ends. You, you, will you, die, just, you will die you, with plenty on it. You could keep, I could stop adding things to my to-do list right now, and I won't be done with what's on there ever for like two and a half years. Ever. No, I'm and, then, and that's not even including like checking email. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. This is modern life. This is what it looks like to be alive and to try to create, to try to earn a living yeah. right now, especially in the kind of, you know, creative media, blogging, podcasting, crazy video things, all the things that guys like you and I are doing, uh, we could do anything we want. And, and we're just, we don't know how to process the fact that this to-do list could go on forever, never, 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 never. And we have to just pick like five things to actually do like this year. Yeah. I want to. Touch base. You you know that the this show you mentioned that uh, I'm a big listener of the show. You know, I'm a big t- fan of it. You I told like me that offline. I was so blown away. That was really encouraging. I re- Dan, I really love the intentionality, the forethought that you bring to all these interviews. Obviously, not mine, but like the other ones. <laughs> and I do love it. I love I love I love the way you're approaching the show and the and the ideas that you're bringing to it. But mostly, I just like who you are on it. I like that you draw the things that you get to draw out of people by nature of the just of just you. I mean. You're you're a good, you're a great listener and always have been. Thanks, man. Well, well, to that end, you know that the audience is 
like you said, convergence of uh, creativity and commerce, this notion of people are trying to make stuff and make money from that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and from that perspective, you have had a chance now to to be around a lot of folks. I mean, you've seen at Fizzle, there, it just seems like there's this a radical spectrum of different kinds of things people are trying to accomplish, uh, yeah. usually through digital medium. But yeah. it, it's amazing to me that there are so many people trying to make a buck from their creativity. Mm-hmm. And and I'm curious, as you have kind of witnessed a broad spectrum, and I want to get to the, the other stuff in a minute, but but just on the on the topic of fizzle, what are some stuff where you just look, you know, you see companies come through, you see individuals trying to make something happen. What what's the stuff that you're saying offline, like between you and Corbett and the guys, like where you're like, oh man, if this guy only thought this or this person, woman thought this, or they did something different, what are the rookie mistakes where you go, man, I wish people would just get this piece because it would save them years? Um, great question. There's I guess now my head's spinning because there's always so many of those. And the first one that, okay, so the first one that spins at the top, let me see how many I can get. Uh, first one that comes up is like people who are in that research phase of like, I just need to learn all about the things that I'm going to be doing when I start up this business. And like, how do I need to run my email? And like, what kind of like WordPress plugins do I need? And what about social bars? Like I should have social bars. Is there a social <laughs> bar plugin? Like, so Pinterest, how does that work? Um, like all this bullshit. I hate it. Yeah. It's the worst. Okay. Because you were so far away from what you actually do for people. What I really love is that early stuff, which like, here's what you should expect. Don't expect this. Don't expect that. You don't deserve anything. You don't, you're not entitled to success or anybody paying attention to you online. Understand that everybody doesn't care about you when they land on your site. They care about them. Go do a lot of research on branding. Nobody cares about your brand. They care about their brand. So make your brand serve them. Make it delight them. Understand the journey that they're on and take them there. Be a part of of shaping where they're going and giving them the tools that they need. Anyways, the first thing being like all this research and all this figuring out uh, it's work, uh, it's business about business, right? Yeah. Uh, instead of Instead of business. Right. It's just like productivity porn is work about work instead of actually getting the work done. It's not actually work. And there's a there's a certain degree of that that you have to do. I mean, you do need to trim back and prune your to do list and all this other stuff. But uh, but at a certain point, like a sticky note, a post-it note is 800 times more effective than your baddest ass to do list. If it gets you to actually write the damn thing you're trying to write or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's as you're talking, uh, what immediately came to mind, what, well, certainly I can relate to a lot of what you're describing. I'm, I lost a lot of my life trying to get things done more efficiently or uh, l- learning about, like I felt like I was a David Allen expert more than I was actually getting my own things accomplished for a lot yeah. of years. And yeah. and I think it's on some level, like you say, it's kind of a developmental phase. It's like being a second semester freshman. Like some of that just, you have to go through that, I think. Totally, yeah. Business can be so simple. I need to caveat this with like, the, the irony here is that I'm just the dumbest guy in the room about like rate about business. I just am. But I've spent almost my entire life trying to to be okay with people. Business is just people. And we just forget all about that. Yeah, we forget all about it. It's just it's humans making shit and connecting with one another over made things. I guess what I mean when I say business is just humans connecting, I don't. I guess I would love to learn a better way to explain it because 
it means so much to me, and it's very difficult to explain. The lives that we live are so sacred. The moments that we have with one another are so wonderful. And everybody, there's this poster I saw recently, which is so great. Uh, it says, uh, in this beautiful typography, this hand lettering, you know, be kind. For everyone you know is in the fight of their lives. Hmm. Okay, And if, we, if you could do the work to get your selfish, greedy ass back down to that level, to the lowest common denominator of all of us on this earth, figuring things out, you are gonna, you're gonna be such a, a gracious and expansive and successful entrepreneur. And success not determined by, you know, a $4 billion IPO, but by like earning a living sustainably with creating an audience of people that care deeply about how you care for them and what you made for them that solved their problem. I just, this whole thing is like very, it's beautiful to me. I love it, I love it. This notion, the way you're describing uh business as an act of caring deeply for the other in my mind that's it's like i, I was going to say marketing through compassion but that's not far enough it's it's actually marketing as compassion where yeah, yeah keep where, going. where you care enough about it's the i and thou distinction like where you care enough about the other the you know the people on the other side of the island that are appears the enemy appears the people i'm trying to trick to give me their money and, and instead taking the perspective of yeah. no no they're they're just like me trying to find their way. And why wouldn't we take pause long enough to, and especially if we're going to do it as an artistic pursuit, to yeah. create something that would really genuinely help people on the other side of the island? Yeah. Is this, is this close to home base? Because I have a therefore in a minute. But am I, get, am I catching yeah, you? Yeah, right? you are. Give me the therefore. Well, so the therefore is I, and this, this came into play a little bit. I've been thinking a lot about you over the last number of years and all that you and your wife have gone through with the loss of your son and how you have very publicly shared. I mean, you haven't shared comprehensively, no doubt. There's no way that would be possible. But you've been very vulnerable in inviting people into your grief. And, and in the process, what it appears to me from the outside looking in, it appears like you have... Uh, the combination of maybe some deposits that were made for you early on in life as you began to care about others. And even though you make a caricature of being the pastor type and wanting attention, you have cared for people, you do care for people. But going through these these real-world experiences of, of grief, what strikes me is it seems like it's opened up a capacity for you to actually care about the other. You went, like The reason I'm such a fan of Fizzle, the reason I tell people all the time, if you want to get this kind of training, there's there's a lot of options on the internet. Go to a place where they're, I know, I know experientially that people actually care about you getting where you want to go, but they're also not going to like um, coat it with sugar and say, this is awesome. Like they're, they're going to tell you the truth and love. And that's, that's my therefore, where if I was going to kind of give an assessment, the potency of what you do isn't just because you're skilled. It's because there's this substantive person that you, you're willing to put on display for others to experience. And then you're inviting others to go and do likewise. Your self-deprecating humor and all that crazy stuff, it, it feels like this massive invitation for people to expand who they are as people and therefore have a better shot at this business game they're trying to play. So so if people were to hear this and they practically, they have their widget, they have their info product, they have their whatever they're trying to bring to market, yeah. they also, somewhere along the line in their past, they really did care about other people. And, and maybe they've gone through experiences and they've chosen to be really just pragmatically, I just want to make business, I want to make money, I want to get ahead. And what I hear you doing is putting up this big kind of yield sign saying, uh, first of all, that doesn't work in the internet world anymore. 
Uh, and second of all, it, you're you're going to be a miserable person in the process. And and I feel like that if the big legacy of of what you guys are doing at Fizzle and who you are as a person, how you're leading that direction is this this and the way you leverage levity to invite people into that conversation, uh, it's it's amazingly disarming. But then you sucker punch it. Like, is that by design? Like, it seems like you you comedic relief people into the conversation. You have this huge kind of awareness of what you're inviting people into. But then once they're inside of a course or they're inside of a the mindset training or whatever, you guys are kind of relentless uh, to, to make sure they understand the gravity of what they're in the middle of. Uh, yeah, I mean, not that it's necessarily by design that it that we do it in any particular sequence or something like that, but, but that, that that both of those things are very true. Like you can't, they're just, they're part, it's the same thing. It's like, it's the same thing. Like you, when you bring a, how do you pronounce it? Jane, joy de vivre? <laughs> joy de vivre. Joy de vivre. Joy de vivre. When you bring a joy de vivre with a curse like you do. <laughs> when you bring, when you can do things with a joie de vivre, a, a, you know, whatever, joy of life or a kind of reckless, reckless goodness, you know, which is like me. I mean, there's no, the reason why things look that way is because those are always the people that I admire the most mm. the reason. I mean, the reason why I love what I get to do, like the amount of work I had to do to reason through what the story is on fizzle was not insignificant. And the story is, you know, is essentially that whole be kind because everybody, you know, is in the fight of their life thing, mm. figuring out what the hell you're going to do for a living is one hell of a job. To try, I mean, to when the kinds of existential crises you can have, you can also just go from job to job to job and just hope to God that it's secure and this, that, and the other. And now the way that that things are changing there, where there's like, there's no such thing as a safe company, like, just, like, and that whole idea of a company and safety and security coming from the outside yep. was like a hundred year blip on human history. You know what I mean? Yep. It was always about the farm and if the crop is going to grow and the, oh no, <laughs> tornadoes and the whole crop's gone. And whatever, like it was always chaos and craziness and we had to just, you know, survive it, right? But now it's like, now we can work for Google and everything will be right and, and okay, right? <laughs> uh, no, like there's no such thing as security. And so, of course, it's dangerous and crazy to do your own thing, just like it's dangerous and crazy to work for anybody else. Um, it's just that we don't think it's dangerous and crazy. So, so why are you... Why are you slogging along? Not that everybody's meant to be doing work on their own. I think it, it, they're really not. I, I would love for more people to be looking for companies who are solving problems they care about. What companies do you love who are solving interesting problems? Uh, and and you could go work there as well. Like I wish more people would think like that because then we could actually solve some problems instead of just another blog about lifestyle design. Um, <laughs> But that's fine too. If that's your thing, you got to start there. We've all been there, right? We all start there yeah. and then eventually head off onto like, you know, much more <laughs> obscure and specific things. But I, I think to me, this, this joie de vivre, I like that. I didn't even have the joie part. That's good. Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. There's like a, there's a roll in the air. Joie de vivre. Uh, <laughs> I just, there's something about that. That, that, is why that's there. That those are the. That's because those are the things that feel truest to me. And I think this pursuit of career, of craft, of vocation, it's a true pursuit. And so I'm going to do it in a way that feels true and good to me. It's like uh, you. I mean, you must have read Parker Palmer's "Let sure. Your Life Speak." Sure. Right. Like everybody listening to the show should go spend you know 40 minutes reading that because it doesn't take long, and you'll you'll be steeped in the importance of the or not the importance but of the 
of the sacredness of this journey to yeah. figure out how to earn a living because for some reason we all have to do that. But I like those kinds of thinkers. I like that depth. And I like, I like humor. And this isn't about humor because not all businesses are supposed to be humorous, right? But it's about um, there's this other thing that we're dancing around and not really saying we're looking for truths and truths and truths and do something for the other. But I want you to do I, if I, if you, if I'm the other in this situation, Dane, I want you to do me as you, right? I want you to say, oh, I've seen you and I prepared this thing for you. Welcome. Uh, here's how I would solve your problem, right? That's what I want. I don't want you to, I want you to, to say like, oh, here's what your problem is. Here's, I know that you're an artist. I know that you're a creative. I know that you're burning the candle at both ends. I know that it's super difficult for you to try to manage home life and work life and that you're extremely like, you, you, you have all this control in the work environment and at home, everything's craziness and like you don't, you don't, you feel impotent, right? So I know all of that. And so here's my, here's how I'm going to sit in that with you, not to solve it or whatever, whatever, right? So that, that whole just being who you are thing, it's not just, it's not like a, an act of, of like figuring it out. It's an act of realizing that nobody knows who the hell they are. And so I'm going to go with what I got right now. You know, it's like a conviction uh, it's more of a conviction about there's no right answers than it is about I've gone to the depths of myself and I've climbed the Sierra Nevadas and then that one mountain in those Indian villages that's super big and you're supposed to go to and I've tripped on acid and now I know things. Uh, you know, you're someone who is eager to throw yourself into whether it's above and beyond concert or it's I'm always, every time we talk, I think I have something new I'm going to share with you. And you heard about that like two years ago. Like it, oh, well, hey, I'm being a little self-deprecating, but, but my point is you are not afraid to throw yourself into an experience or two. And with each one of those, you're throwing some, you're, you're getting nuance and angle. Uh, and there's yeah. a, a sophistication to the experience that you can appreciate. So if you're speaking to somebody else, like a listener on this <laughs> podcast, and they're sitting here going, okay. My job is to get the basic fundamentals, but my also my job is also in this discovery, in this search, to throw myself into experiences. And I'm doing this in a world where there's no end to the options of experiences. How would you direct people to discern what are the kinds of because they can't do it all. They have to make some decisions about yep. who they're going to get exposed to, how they're going to get exposed to it, how they're going to do that in the context of their real life. Like I'm married and have four kids. If I want to have an experience in Bangladesh, I might come home and my wife and kids might not be here. Like I'm not going to do that. So how, how do I discern the kinds of experiences that'll get me the best return on investment? Uh, I was sitting with, I worked at a startup here in town for several years that uh, one of the guys has left to go find another job. And he's like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what's going on. What should I do? And he's an older dude, really great coder, but not in that like young, hungry stage of life. And I'm like, well, here's, here's something. What if you, like you're a guy, you like to kayak. You're in Portland, you like to kayak, you like to paddleboard, you like to windsurf, right? I see a lot, door, a lot of outdoor activities going on over there. I see also your wife's doing yoga. She's an instructor. I see, you know, this natural food thing you got going on. I, I see these things about you. Are there, can you define like those spheres, kayaking, paddleboarding, windsurfing, natural health foods, whatever. Can you define those spheres and then name like a, a list of 25 companies who are doing stuff in those spheres that you can approach and say, listen, here's what I've done for a living. All I know is that I'm, I'm head over heels in love with the problems that you're trying to solve and the way that you're doing it. 
and I could I could be a part of your team if you're interested in it. Well, if you're serving a purpose that you find really valuable, like I love kayaking, I just love this company. And it's like fuck it, let's make uh, let's make a, a our kayaking experience as, po- as great as possible for these people. I'll contribute to that story, right? So when you're asking like what experiences should should someone throw themselves into, like one way is what do you like to do? Okay, just make a list. Just start writing things. What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? What you know? And then maybe another way is like the people that you admire. What do you imagine them enjoying? Maybe you could try to enjoy some of those things. And then a third way is what are you mad about? What makes you angry? What makes you angry? And normally with anger, like there's a little bit of injustice involved. So that you could be heading towards more like bigger issues. But what's interesting is if you look at the world through that lens of like what makes you angry or what makes you mad and just start keeping track of it, like there's a lot of great ideas that come from that. Like, hey, this shouldn't happen this way. We should fix that. And you can you can work towards solutions there or decide if it's a good thing to, to head towards or not. But to me, that that the reason why I say that's so ironic is because, man, how long did it take me to figure out what I actually enjoyed versus what my just surrounding immediate environment was telling me that I needed to do, mm. you know? But that's also where the, the real, like, vigor comes from in some ways. Does that make sense? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, the million dollar question in this is is telling the difference, right? Like, what 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 are the shoulds and what are the what what am I wanting totally. to do this? And and I also appreciate that you're not trying to to despite my questions, <laughs> you're not trying. To, I'm not trying to answer them. <laughs> well, you're not you're not you're 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 answering them appropriately because what I'm craving, if I'm honest, as as just a person to a person, is I, I'm in this too. Who I don't know anyone who isn't. I don't know a single yeah. thoughtful person who isn't in this tension, and. To even hear like the permission, I hope people at home hear this, this permission to say, first of all, it's really normative that if you're in that tension of trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do with your life, that's appropriate. And that there's a lot more clues around you than you think. So maybe get curious about those things, try on some new lenses. Uh, the anger lens can work. And, and that, that could be true. You could, that's just one of several lenses that you could try on. But what I hear most of all in what you're saying is just an invitation to wake up to a life that we're in. And, and uh, to try to squander it a little less today than, than maybe yesterday. Dude, the realest thing that I've heard or that I've felt or that, I've, that, I, that I continually need to be reminded of and somehow try to find fresh ways to get myself into feeling it again is that there are no right answers. You know, when you're blogging or when you're, when you're trying to be a media printer or a what the, whatever you're trying to be, whatever I've tried to be, you feel like you have to say so many things. Like I have, I have to write a blog post because I publish every Tuesday morning. So I need to figure out something to say, right? And you end up saying so many things uh, without even knowing that you don't mean them or that you're, you actually can't say that thing, right? And to me, the act of finding the, your voice is the first two episodes of our podcast, which are now almost you know, 67 in episodes in, the first two episodes are dedicated to finding your voice because we believe that is the seminal like act of like that is what self-actualization looks like. And Stephen Pressfield says about that whole 10,000 hours. Remember that Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours, violin, like a Mozart, all this shit. Yeah. 10,000 hours. And Stephen Pressfield asked, what's going on though during those 10,000? Like what's actually happening during those 10,000 hours? That's the right question. Yeah. And then he says, they're figuring out how to speak in their own voice. They're figuring out you know, this is what we have to do. We know this from experts. You learn all the rules and then you abandon the rules and realize, oh, those rules were just made up by some, some petulant white guy at some point. 
One thing that I have to come back to and just ask about is rowing. Yeah. You've done a lot of writing, processing, sharing. One of the things that I had a chance to revisit, not only uh, the situation with your son, but also uh, your annual kind of things I learned in year four, year five, year six of marriage, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I love that there's, there's this common kind of series of pauses, even like I'm in your advice to people about, you know, who are grieving, you actually leverage the productivity tool of setting like ping reminders to to check in with them at certain increments of time and so forth. Yeah. And it seems like you've done that for yourself to check in with yourself in increments of time. I'm curious in your own words, how you would describe going through those experiences, the ups and downs of marriage, uh, the realities of, you know, moving, job change, the trauma in your family. How have those things affected your perspective? I feel like, uh, and I wrote about this recently, we, we lost our, our son Rowan. Uh, he was born and, and passed away just, just, you know, an hour or a couple hours before he was born. And it was, you know, horrifying, right? I think what's interesting to me is Rowan puts me in, finally, in the realm of all of, like, of like humans. Okay. Like, I feel like I have just was born in a, with a silver spoon up my ass. And I've never really had it all that tough besides, besides uh, girls in high school. Boy, was that difficult. Like, the <laughs> tears. And Rowan made me feel like, after going through such an intense tragedy and dealing with that grief, like that, that the, those, um, the intensity of those feelings over such a long period of time and all of that that was supposed to mean and then, then didn't and all that stuff, it placed my foot really firmly in realizing, okay, this is life. This is what life is like. Not, not grief, but like I'm in it. I know it now mm. that I'm in life, right? And... So, I mean, that's an invitation, right? And so, what do I want my life to be about? And it turns out it, it's a, it, I want it to be more about those baseline community things, you know? Those baseline living life with a handful of close friends, drinking wine, playing cards with cards against humanity as often as possible, you know? Is, that's the good life. That's where, where the this, this stuff, like that's why you earn a living, it's just so you can afford to do that. And guess what? You don't need that much money to do that. You just need to not be an asshole. You know? This was episode 029 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. ConvergePodcast.com is our home where you'll find past episodes as well as Go, our annual gathering for creators looking to make a difference with their creations. Music today provided by TripleSkiMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at AcreativeDuckCo for audio production. And a special thanks to Chase Reeves for being with us. Visit him at IceToTheBrim.com. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. When you leave questions and comments on the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a really big deal, and we're grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders. I'll see you here next time.